Are you wondering how you can learn more about food? Well, you're in the right place. This is the Chakula Podcast, brought to you by the Root to Food Initiative, a show that celebrates authentic Kenyan dishes and serves you hot conversations about food in Kenya from an economic, social, and political lens. Semanasi kwenye social media at Root to Food on Instagram, at Root to Food on Twitter, and Root to Food on Facebook. And now, here's your host, Felistas Mwalia. Hello and welcome to the Chakula podcast. We've so far covered experts in different fields of agriculture around the issue of food security. You, our listener, has been able to interact with organic practitioners, chefs, entomologists, policy writers, and governance experts. We thank you for being part of this journey and conversation. Today we are going to hear from a farmer from Transnzoia County in the Rift Valley. Karibu sana, Michael. Thank you. We are glad to host you today. Wakesa, you were born and bred in Kitale and you still farm maize there. How has it been like growing in a predominantly agricultural town? Um, I think growing up in an agricultural town has mm-hmm. been uh, quite interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we grew up in seasons. And so we knew there was a planting season um, at the beginning of the year and then we'd go to school. And then during half term or when we close, we know it's weeding time. And so we pretty much grew up in seasons, um, which brought uh, predictability uh, in our lives uh, growing up. And so we knew when there was money, you know, when maize was harvested at the end of the year, we knew when not to ask for things from our parents mm. uh, because we knew we don't have money. Mm-hmm. All the money comes from the farm. Yeah, so um, it was interesting. Of course, times have changed. The predictability, especially because of, uh, you know, weather patterns mm-hmm. um, changed as we grew up. Yeah, but it was interesting. So as a farmer, what have been the critical production and post-harvest challenges that you and a fellow farmers have been facing so far? I think uh, several. I think pre planting just before the planting season mm-hmm. some of the main challenges of course uh, of late has been unpredictability of the weather mm-hmm. um, back then we knew you know with a, within with a certain uh, degree of certainty when the rains would come but then nowadays rains are quite erratic so it's like last year it was quite difficult because the rains disappeared for quite a while and so you till the land expecting the rain to come some showers would come in and then you'd plant but you know stop raining so that's a challenge but number two is availability of inputs yeah farm mm-hmm. inputs especially as you're planning for the um, planting season mm-hmm. what happens is we we wait for government to subsidize fertilizer seeds sometimes um, the government may either delay in doing that but also availability of this is an issue mostly what happens is the big farmers and big traders would go buy the subsidized seeds and fertilizer and then hold and then sell it to us that's a challenge and then lastly pre-planting you know there's a challenge of liquidity but sometimes you just don't have money because you've harvested in october november december Mm -hmm. depending at that time price per bag is quite because the market is flooded with yeah. and so you either sell at a throwaway price mm-hmm. which means you can't recoup your investment mm-hmm. remember in january you have to take your kids to school and things like that or you keep your maize to sell at a better time either way you have dead stock so um, mostly when the planting season is here we are always scrumming to get money to ensure that you've bottled the inputs mm-hmm. uh, so that's just before planting and of course after you've planted post-harvest challenges i think the major one is storage most of us small farmers uh, you know you just store the maize in 
your home probably in your house or if you're fortunate enough to have some store it put it in a store of course um, it's not under the best conditions and so in terms of moisture or pests and so we lose a lot it's worse when it rains because it means you know we we don't use modern drying methods take the maize outside you know just yeah. dry it under the sun so storage is one like i mentioned earlier pricing because mm -hmm. after the harvest you be expecting to get good return uh, from your crop mm -hmm. uh, but then there are, there are brokers around we have people coming to Transoya and Kitale, they know when it's harvest time, they actually come to buy the maize. So basically that's how the price is always determined. Yes, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So the farmer has very little control. There's a lot, so you either sell at this, you know, it's give you this price, take it or leave it, which can be quite a challenge. Mm -hmm. So those, those are the two main challenges, post-harvest storage. And then maybe to add is access to markets. So what happens is maybe if you farmed because of growing population, mm -hmm. places where we used to farm are now occupied, you know, real estate or people, uh, you know, just moving. So you have to farm far off. Uh, and sometimes the uh, roads are pretty bad. And so you may have your maize. Uh, it's harvested. You have a very good crop. Yeah. But uh, access to markets is a challenge. And so you end up either a lot of it getting spoiled along the way mm -hmm. or having to sell it at a throwaway price. Okay. Back yeah. to the production, are the methods really sufficient? Uh, we do maize the way we saw our parents do it. Mm -hmm. For the small-scale farmer, mm -hmm. you know, especially because of cost constraints, you just do uh, you do your tilling. If you maybe you have some larger piece of land, you could use mechanized tilling. So you have a tractor, but most of it is still manual, which leads to, of course, dropped or decreased productivity. Um, you don't have accurate if it's spacing, you know, such things. Yeah. And so I, I, I wouldn't say the methods are not they are not efficient. But a lot could be done. Uh, but for the small-scale farmer, mm -hmm. looking at the costs of, say, doing doing maize in a modern way, the cost and the benefit might not it's very, make yeah, sense. Yeah, I think it's, it's very, very expensive in terms of inputs. Yes. Yeah, probably it's high time our farmers shift to shift to other ways of farming which are at least sustainable. Yes. Rather than should. depending on seeds every season, and using fertilizers. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, we should, we should. I think definitely at some point we tried doing uh, using manure. Yeah. As opposed to fertilizer, just that it wasn't enough, uh, you know, because that same, you know, you have uh, three, four cows at home, they can only produce so much. So if you're doing, say, uh, five acres of land, again, you may have to go source uh, for manure. So uh, some bit of challenges here and there, but you're right, it's yeah. definitely something. Also, back to that, do you mm. only farm maize only or you've intercropped? We learned the hard way. Um, uh -huh. So previously we used to do just maize only. Uh -huh. But then, you know, you look at what you're getting at the end of the year. Yeah. So we are forced to do maize, but also intercrop. So mostly we do maize, we do beans, uh -huh. um, you know, which are um, uh, short seasons, maybe three, four months. Uh -huh. You have your beans and then you, uh, at least you have an income um, yeah. going forward. But then also we are um, increasing a lot of farmers, not just me, mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of farmers are actually looking at how do I do maize and other things. Yeah. Um, so now uh, most of us are doing instead of uh, because there's maize that uh, you harvest uh, within uh, five six months mm -hmm. so you're actually doing that so if we can do two harvests in a season and then in a year and then you intercrop uh, with other things so you can either do vegetables beans the other time you actually did pumpkins as well now the fact that maize is a staple food for kenyans what has been the support from the government to farmers so far that's a difficult question to answer <laughs> uh, because i feel it's um mm -hmm. yes there's things that government has done yeah 
Um, I think one of them is uh, government has been trying to, you know, pass information, mm-hmm. um, you know, communicate, pass relevant information to us farmers, yeah. you mm-hmm. know, regarding, um, you know, this is what you can do. These are the practices that you can. So uh, that is something that the government has done. In Transoya County specifically, some, I think, maybe four, four years back, mm-hmm. The government did um, commission a countywide survey you mm-hmm. know, just to look at the um, acidity levels uh, of the farms and uh, you know how that can be rectified, which we felt was a good thing mm-hmm. because the outcome of the report was that because of many years of doing the same thing and fertilizer, yeah. the land was actually very acidic. So that's a good thing that government has done. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that they can improve is on extension services. Yeah. Back then, you know, before devolution and all this, I think extension services were actually quite well structured. I don't know where the government lost it. You know, growing up, we had extension officers. Yeah. We actually know them by name. You know, they would come every Tuesday. Yeah. But nowadays, we, I think the government has relied a lot on communication using radio and TV. Oh, and probably yeah. lost out on the extension services. The other thing that government has done is, of course, the subsidies mm-hmm. um, for the seeds, uh, which is a good thing for the fertilizer. Uh, has some challenges, you know, delivering to farmers, but I think that's um, it's a good thing that they have done. Well, Kesa, you've actually mentioned positive things about the government, but in early April, I'm not so sure about when that happened, the government imported maize and yet our farmers had maize. How, how did it affect the farmers? Uh, that has always been, uh, it's a painful thing. And uh, also, sorry to add on, mm. the, cra- the crazy thing is that maize that is always imported is always cheaper compared to what we have here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, um, I think if you ask any farmer, mm-hmm. anyone who does maize, um, it's, that's, that's a thorn because we have maize, um, but the government uh, does not, um, you know, goes ahead and, you know, open. So one of the things that we feel the government has failed mm-hmm. is actually to put in place proper regulation Mm-hmm. and maybe even protectionist policies. Mm-hmm. So there's importation, there's two ways. There's one that crosses the border from Uganda, mm-hmm. which is very cheap. Why is it cheap? Uh, several things. Yeah. I think because of the land size, Uganda, they do uh, major farming. And then also the cost of production is quite low in Uganda, both in terms of labor, but also the land is very fertile. And so your inputs in terms of fertilizers are quite reduced. Um, I actually saw that they use manure, comp- yeah, yeah, which is actually even beneficial to the soil. Beneficial to the yeah. soil. So your yield is actually much better yeah. compared to... So maize from Uganda is uh, cheap. And so what happens is it floods the market and the government, uh, you know, just allows it. It's something that we know, uh, you know, when it comes to October, November, December, mm-hmm. there'll be maize flooding in from Uganda. We've, it's happened year in, year out. So we feel the government uh, should, you know, should put in place proper regulation to do that. You know, importation of maize, uh, we feel, yeah. I speak, mm-hmm. I know for many farmers, mm-hmm. it's just big business for, you know, some few well-connected people. Yeah. Because any time an importation comes in, uh, who imports this um, thousands of metric, ton, uh, metric tons of maize? So that's, that's one thing that we feel the government has failed. The other thing uh, where um, uh, we feel the government has failed or should improve is mm-hmm. devolution was done. Uh, you know, and so mm-hmm. agriculture was supposed to be handled at the county. And yet, um, you know, the biggest buyer is the National Cereals and Produce Board. Yeah. Money from the cereals board comes from the National Treasury. And so basically as farmers, you know, we wait for government to allocate resources and say we are buying at this much. Um, and so you will supply your maize and then you'll wait because the National Treasury has not released money 
to the farmers and so that is something that is also quite unfortunate mm-hmm. yeah what guess are you mentioned about devolution devolution was meant to connect people to the government but from what you've said that doesn't seem the reality on the ground probably you can tell us the services provided by the county government are they really accessible to the farmers my my own thoughts would be I know for many farmers I guess of course there's the challenges of devolution you know from a national government to devolved passing it down to the county mm-hmm. and so there might be maybe still teething issues mm-hmm. uh, could be but there seems to be either an overlap of functions and so it's not so clear if you need this information or you know uh, this permit where do you go to is it the national government is it the county so the roles are not quite defined so there might be some bit of overlapping and then number two mm-hmm. about devolution is i think because it's not quite well defined mm-hmm. how well agriculture works in a county mm-hmm. is dependent on uh, the governor so or the present government mm-hmm. at the county level and so if uh, you know the current county management will be is keen on agriculture then they would invest and so you'll find one governor for example in you know the first term would be really keen on agriculture and then someone else would come and their other focus would be on say infrastructure yeah. or on trade and so it leaves us the farmers you know without a very clear roadmap uh, of you know what is the plan as opposed to you know being a national function um, i think the government would communicate and pass information well the other thing is uh, Uh, we feel like and i mentioned about extension services mm-hmm. the county is not hiring enough extension officers uh, you know to pass the information to the uh, farmers on the ground um, so there are those uh, bottlenecks we feel like you know there's an overlap of roles mm-hmm. and of course the biggest thing is resources if the county had the budget to buy maize from the farmers mm-hmm. it would be much better because you know the prevailing conditions on the ground as opposed to waiting for the national government to release Bye, funds yeah. you're not in touch exactly you know was it a tough year Uh, what are some of the factors that came in play uh, during that production year? Yeah. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm. How accessible are the services provided by the national government? Uh, so yes, they are accessible, but of course with challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, um, there's room for improvement. Mm-hmm. I think there's several things that the government can do uh, to help us as maize farmers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of them is you know just uh, having the right information at all points of the valley chain during the planting season this can be done of course through media but also mm-hmm. through extension of specifically what kind of information like this year this is how we are expecting the year to be so that is one number two is information on you know at the moment we we fly blind you want to do maze with other things but you don't quite know what else would go with and so you you depend on you know if i do maze uh, with beans will it work so we don't have expert information so information oh, yeah. on while you do maze you could do maze in this they mm-hmm. actually go well they complement each other yeah. this particular strain would do well with the, such information because it's technical and we don't have that information so most farmers are actually just flying blind can only plant and hope and then learn from experience yet you see that's a wasted season so right information yeah. one. number two you know both county but also national government is uh, infrastructure when you go to Transoya and it's um it's a sad thing because it's a very productive area but then accessibility is a mess. And so what happens is you have very good yield for the year mm-hmm. and it could it's it's maize, it's onions, it's tomatoes, but you can't get your produce to the market. 
You cannot mm. accessibility is just a mess. So what ends up happening is brokers come to the firm because uh, yeah. they know it's you know you either let it spoil or I buy Sell it at throw away price. Yeah, yeah, it's really ridiculous. And so um you know we feel if the government would invest in infrastructure mm-hmm. and we are not asking for super highways. <laughs> It's just asking for a maram road you know that where that that can access where the farmer can access you can, you can ferry your produce to the market so infrastructure yeah. is a big one for maize infrastructure could also include storage uh, oh yeah storage services the government has facilities but a small farmer doesn't have access to these facilities so if they had you know storage facilities where i can come to my maize you know at a very good price mm-hmm. you know under proper conditions and then i can sell when the market is right um that is something the big farmers you know with access to capital do that they have their own stores sometimes they actually take to this government facilities wow you pay per bag for store a very minimal fee but you yeah. see a small farmer does not have and that majority luxury. of the farmers are actually small scale yeah, farmers yeah. so that's two the other third service like i mentioned is regulation of imports mm-hmm. that's something that the government should do we feel it's a service that the government should step in and intervene proactively instead of just turning a blind eye for it's an open market you know you can source from whatever because it ends up hurting the farmer mm-hmm. And then finally as a critical service is when it comes to payments mm-hmm. for the government to set prices that they buy maize at the cereals board and actually pay. What happens at the cereals board is and you mentioned the majority of farmers are small scale. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to sell your maize to the cereals board. So government would say, you know, I'll buy a bag at 3500. That's a good price. Yeah. For you to get access to to sell your produce to the cereals board, you will go there and you'll find uh, 50 lorries, 50 trucks from one farmer bringing wow. in their maize so they are given priority this guy would sell to government and he has both of them so by the time it gets to you and then it will get to you and then they'll tell you no no your moisture content is not proper so we can't take this you just go back with your produce and you have to sell it at a thrive price so i think those are the things that we feel the government should improve yeah. on mm-hmm. it will Im- Im- improve our welfare and our income from our farming You've mentioned all the challenges that farmers go through. Where are they actually going wrong? Where are guys going wrong and what should be done? Basically from even a county government level, from the government level and even from the farmers themselves. Well, I think so, several things can mm-hmm. be done. You know, one of them would be was a government uh, working closely with the farmers and business community to say, "Hey, look here, we we are the food basket of this country. We produce, you know, a significant amount uh, of maize for the country." Mm-hmm. So, you know, is it uh, can we do value addition? You know, we just produce maize and sell raw as it is. But can we do value addition in terms of milling? Um, you know milling for you know maize for ugali yeah. can can we also do milling for uh, animal food so we have to think i think as farmers we have to think of value addition so that we fetch um, a higher price mm-hmm. related to that is uh, coming together mm-hmm. in cooperatives mm-hmm. i think there's uh, power that way mm-hmm. uh, one of the challenges that i mentioned of you know a fragmented market and brokers coming mm-hmm. in is because we don't speak with one voice and so uh, i have my produce i have need for school fees or for whatever i'll sell my produce but you know if we are we come together might be a difficult thing but it can be done if we come together you know would say they would set the market price and say you know this is a, this is how much we think it's our produce should fetch at this point and we've seen it happen in other counties mm-hmm. um kirinyaga county i think a while back 
I did something with the rice farmers and it actually stopped the exploitation that used to happen before where someone would come in just after um, after the harvest season because people know there's a glut they would mm-hmm. you know, buy at a throwaway price. So I think cooperatives and just coming together is something that we can do to fetch the most out of uh, maize. Yeah, so um, I think uh, one other thing that uh, as farmers we can do is to definitely look at uh, how do we reduce the cost of input because um, that forms a huge percentage of, determines what you get out of. And so fertilizer is expensive, so we need to look for alternatives. You know, do you have manure at home? You know, use it in place of fertilizer. Do you have to do weeding, especially for the small-scale farmers? You don't have to spray the pesticides. Sometimes it might be cheaper for you to just get some uh, laborers uh, to do that manually, uh, mm. depending on your piece of land. So I think the, um, we, as farmers, we should look at how do we reduce the cost of production by you know doing sustainable um, basically working with nature yes working with nature yeah. you're right uh, just working with nature because you know using especially chemicals fertilizers and pesticides not only increase your costs but also you know degrade your quality and over a, a period of time you end up losing because you're getting a decreased um, output uh, from your farm Thank you so much, Michael. We've now come to the end of our show. We appreciate your insights. Do you have any words for the Ugali lovers listening? And amazed <laughs> for the maize farmers as well. <laughs> uh, well, it's been a pleasure you know, having this conversation. Mm-hmm. I think just mm-hmm. final words would be farming is a good thing. I think it's for us to embrace, to change with the times, you know, not to do the same things over and over. Yeah. You know, to look at um, are there things that we've learned or that we can incorporate. You know, there's a lot of information nowadays as opposed to, you know, way back. So it's just to embrace, uh, to learn a lot and to keep learning. Then be open-minded. I think, uh, yes, maize is a staple, but, you know, can we make the most out of it? It's by bringing in other crops. To be open-minded. Food is you know, at the core of um, our society. We will always eat and so farmers will always be uh, needed out here. Asante Sana. Thank you so much to our listeners for tuning in. Follow us on SoundCloud and iTunes at Chakula Podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, like, share, and leave us a comment. You can also write to us on info at truetofood.org in case you have any questions. Thank you until next time. <laughs>